I'm Gab, he's Jules. Gray skies over West London. Gray and crappy outside. Not as nice as Lisbon where I just returned from, Jules. But, tell you what, maybe the gray's turning to blue because Frank Lampard possibly on his way back to Chelsea as we record. Uh, Also, we'll be getting into that. We'll be getting into a lot of stuff happening midweek in various cups around Europe, uh, from from Inter to Bayern losing. Mm -hmm. Um, But we have to start with a classical. Where else do you start? It is a classical. Of course. Real Madrid go into this. They're a goal down. They lost at home. They've lost La Liga. Older players. We're not really sure if Ancelotti's back, even though he says he's going to come back. He'll stay until 2034 if they'll have him, blah, blah, blah. Ha, ha. And then they go, and it's a demolition. In the second half. Yeah, in the second half. And And it's another hat-trick for... Kareem the Dream! Back-to-back hat-trick... And the first one against Real Valladolid, you take it, okay, in seven minutes is great, but but a classical hat-trick is pretty special. 12 hat-tricks now in Karim Benzema's career, uh, in his whole career, 16 goals in 43 Didn't Shearer have like 12 in a single season? Maybe, okay. good for Shearer then, I don't right. know. Like, Karim the Dream is very way, special, but. times three. But, 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 but the only thing was, before the game, Gab, when you saw that the Young wasn't there, Pedri wasn't there, no Dembele, no Christensen, and it was a weaker, it was a, it was a weaker Barca side. You thought, okay, maybe this time could be different because the last three Clásicos, as you said, Barca won them all, and it was very different. Even if Barca had the chances in the first half, they could have had a penalty early on. They could have scored suddenly before the first Real Madrid goal on the counter attack. But once Real Madrid won one nil, there were no other winner. So I kind of feel like I'm going to give Barcelona a little bit of a panchavi. A bit of a pass here. Um, for the thinking is, okay, on the one hand, you're not in European football anymore. This is your Champions League. Win the Copa del Rey, yeah. right? You don't have the motivation to stay in the league because you've wrapped it up. On the other hand, those absences weigh really, really mm-hmm. heavy. Um, at the weekend, we saw Marcos Alonso at centre-back against Elche, right? Yeah, and yeah. It's fine against Elche. Marcos Alonso can play centre-back. But... There's a huge drop-off. I mean, when, I never thought we would actually say, like, oh, Christensen missing is like, you know, Beckenbauer is missing. But it did kind of feel that yeah, way. It did. Um, Eric and also Garcia, when you move Kunde and Arojo to defend on Vinicius, I think that messes up your back four as well. Well, he's done it before and it worked in the league yeah, class ago. but this time it didn't. And Kunde uh, was all over the place. And still, in that first half, they had their opportunities. Yeah, yeah. You are. And, and, and I thought they had the upper hand right until that weirdo sliding doors mo- yeah. moment at the end of the first half when Lewandowski has a chance and then you miss it and they go right Which up the pitch sense. and score. Yeah. And, and to be fair, and we've said it before, this Real Madrid side with Vinicius and Benzema and when Rodrigo plays as well is, is the best counter-attacking team in, in Europe right now. They're so devastating. They are... We saw against Liverpool for a moment. OK, it's an average Liverpool side, but still, they, when they counter like that, it's just very hard to stop. Yeah, I, I think also a bit of bad luck too, because I thought Kunde was going to clear it, but it looks like he slips or he's kind of yeah. uncoordinated and everything. And It's interesting, I think, psychologically too, because, you know, we say, oh, you never want to concede right before halftime and whatever, but... All it does, the messaging, I thought, a halftime should have been very straightforward from Xavi, and I'm sure it was. He said, okay, guys, unlucky on the goal. They should teach us. Let's learn from this. We should have put the, put it away. Now, all it means is it's nil-nil, right? Because it's, mm. it's 1-1 on yeah, average. Yeah, exactly. But then I thought there was a real sea change in the second half in the way the game invo- unfolded. It wasn't just a case of yeah, yeah, Real yeah, Madrid right. counter I mean, uh, Benzema's first goal. Yeah. 
Modric coming alive when he didn't do much in the first half, that that showed that something went missing from, from Barcelona there. Yeah, and I think Carlo Ancelotti changed something at halftime as well by putting Modric a bit higher up on the pitch and Real Madrid as a whole played a little bit higher to start the second half. They scored early again after the break like they did again against Liverpool in the Champions League, which you've just considered before the break and five minutes in the second, second half, you're already 2-0 down. And Sergio Roberto, who you know I don't like, I don't, I don't rate who took a stupid yellow card after 10 minutes, can't foul Modric on that second goal. Otherwise, you foul him, he doesn't deliver the assist for Benzema, it's a free kick, okay, and you take a yellow bird, you take it for the team. Of course. Now, you can't do that. It's, it's literally, I think Modric has a free like, road there to then cross the ball for Benzema. Koundé is he's out of position because Rodrigo made a good run, and then that's it. And when, once you're tuning down, you know how hard it's going to be against that run. And place. then... The coup de grace, Frank Kessie, who we do like a lot. Yeah, we do like a lot. You know, he's the president. Yeah. But that was a brain fart. It was. There's John. no reason to do that. And he, you're going to foul him. Yeah, and again, it, you're it, 30 minutes in that second half and you're three goals down already and you consider two. And there's no need to, to, to do That's the thing is that we've said it, but again, we, we, we repeat ourselves when we talk about Real Madrid. Yeah. But when you give them those opportunities, they, they destroy you. Jules, like I said, I'm kind of giving Barcelona a pass for yeah. this because I do think the absences weigh a lot heavier than people, than people realize. And you wanted to make a, make a point that in terms of creativity, you know, as much as we, as much as we both love Cassier and, yeah. and, and that, when it's Cassier and Sergio Roberto in midfield, yeah, you're going to be predictable. Yeah, right? yeah, and I think they were, especially in that second half. And when Camavinga defends so well on Rafinha, who is your main creative point really in that team, because Gavi does a lot of really good things, but he he fluidified the games and he's, he's, he links up everything but you, you rely on Rafinha to be the productive one and the creative one and I guess Alejandro Balde on the other side a little bit but Camavinga had an amazing game at left back against Rafinha again and Camavinga is just keeps surprising me game after game but then from a Barca point of view you're predictable and then on the bench yeah you bring on Tufati but you know, we know, we talked about it enough. He doesn't have the impact that really he used to have or he should have now. So, so it becomes difficult. I, and then again, you open yourself to the counter-attacking yeah, threat from I, this Real Madrid side. I do wonder, again, hindsight is always twenty twenty. I do wonder, though, if maybe this wasn't the game to say, all right, let me go more defensive in midfield. Let me put, you know, Gavi in the three in midfield you know, with the two guys more, yeah. more holding... And then I get, I get Ansu on the pitch. Yeah. I, from the start. And I say, yeah, like, yeah, listen, I, agree. I also just send a message to, you know, Bori or whatever his dad's name is. Okay, this is your chance. Make a break. You know, I, I suspect he thought Real Madrid are going to play on the counter or whatever. And like, to be fair, in the first half, he was kind of vindicated. They had mm. the better chances. But after that, and, and I think what this speaks to as well with Barcelona is that for all the players that they've signed and everything, and there's a certain fundamental, I think, instability to this team. Partly through the injuries, partly through the fact that De Jong obviously wasn't there, but he went into the season with the whole, like, oh, Manchester United, oh, let's sell De Jong, oh, why won't De Jong leave mm-hmm. so we can make money and blah, blah, blah. Like, and then all of a sudden, you know, he has, especially the last couple of months before his injury, the, the kind of season he had, all this stuff, it, 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 playing Marcos Alonso at center back. I mean, let's just think about... When we talk about Barcelona's situation financially, right? 
and where they are. And we take these things for normal, right? But Alex Valdez is suddenly like a fundamental player on this team. Yeah. And he's a guy who, I think 12 months ago, very few people knew what he was. He wasn't yeah. even, as I understand it, he's not even somebody who was super highly rated no, out no, of the no, cantera, yeah. right? Uh, to the point that that's one of the reasons why they signed Marcos Alonso to yeah. begin with, right? You have Marcos Alonso at 33 years of age, or however old he is, who is a left back. Who's a left back not known for his defending. Yeah, more of a wing back even. A wing back, yeah. yeah. And you're in a situation where he's basically your second center back option, right? Because you, you don't have a right back because you screwed up the Bayerin thing, right? <laughs> so if you, because you have to want to play Kunde or Araujo there, Christensen's out, so you've got to play him. Also because, hey, what happened to Eric? He came my on. To, no, my, no. to my shock, he came on. I almost turned the TV off because I didn't want to see him. <laughs> well, you wouldn't have liked it on Monday because on Monday I said, I thought... He played really well at the weekend. Yeah, but against against Elche. Elche. I would play well in that team. So, but doesn't it make more sense for him to play in central midfield? <laughs> yeah, well, if you have to, play, because no, I, I, I would rather him not playing at all. But you know. no, but if I ask you, what is the best thing that this man does? Yeah, I guess he passes the ball. the ball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, and if it's an open field tackle, put your body in. Right. Yeah, but not under pressure. You can play midfield against Elche. That's the point. Pressure. You've got center backs behind you. You're not under pressure. Yes. Just, you know, I, I'm just wondering what is this guy's future. I don't understand why so many people like adore him when yeah, nice. you know. I think you have nice sort crazy. of consistent issues with him, and and then these are all things that he has to deal with that that, mm-hmm. that Xavi has had to deal with, and that Xavi has worked through. And I think a lot of people when you speak about Barcelona, they're just blinded by the big names and they don't realize yeah. the job that he's done. You know what was interesting, just quickly to finish on the sort of tactical aspect of the game. In the end, a lot of it came down to the, to the Camavinga v. Rafinha battle and the Arojo v. Vinicius battle. And you kind of knew that, I know it's, it's in a simplistic way, but this is the way of who, whoever wins those two battles will have, will have the, the upper hand on the game, and rightly right. so. And again, for Camavinga to be so good defensively on Rafinha for most of the game, and on the other side, to see Arojo struggling more against Vini than in the last three games put together, I thought was very interesting. And Vinicius had a great game. I mean, the double, the double touch for the last goal and the, for the assist yeah. for the Benzema hat-trick was just a wonderful piece of creativity and genius from him. But it felt like, even if at times he was really tense, we saw Gavi, who was always tense in those games, Vinny as well, and then winding up the crowd, who was winding him up too, to be fair. Was just, well, this is a classical, even if it's just a Copa del Rey semi-final second leg, or, you know, it's... Just? It's, just, yeah. <laughs> it's, still, it's still great, I think, to see classicals like no. that. And I think also what helped this time was having Rodrigo in the front three mm. instead of Albert. Obviously, there's pros and cons with both. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah sure. It does mean... You're not leaning. I mean, when they played in the league, obviously, Araujo was, was phenomenal and, and, and he did his part. But everything leaned that way. With yeah. Rodrigo, at least you have the out that you don't have with Valverde because it's just a different skill set. Araujo, I felt, didn't necessarily get the help defensively that Definitely. you would have when you know it's going to go that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it became more of an open field defending. And, you know, Vinicius is tough to handle. Yeah. Especially if Vinicius watched back the Classico, he realizes, hey, I don't have to go the same way every single time. No, Sometimes I can go to the outside a little more. Exactly, like on the penalty. Because on the penalty, you maybe ex- ex- expect him to go the other way and he comes back inside and that's when Kessier yeah. make the foul. Um, with Real Madrid, I, I still think this is another team which has a ton of question marks. And one, one thing is kind of becoming clear is we haven't seen 
as much of Tromeni in the starting yeah. 11 uh, recently. Uh, obviously, last night, Kroos, Modric, and he moved Valverde deeper. Yeah. But then he didn't play at the weekend either. Mm. Um, I'm just wondering, is has there been a drop of form? Is it a physical thing? Yeah, I think after the World Cup, he struggled a little bit. Uh, and on the other hand, Kamavinga has been outstanding since the return of, you know, of the league after the World Cup. And and Ancelotti was talking bef- even after the Real Valladolid, before the Real Valladolid game and before the Clásico on how amazing Kamavinga has been. And Kamavinga started now 21 of the last 23 Real Madrid games, whether left back or as a holding midfielder, and has been incredible. And his good performances with France against Ireland too, I think, kind of boosted his. His, the, the, his, his confidence, the momentum, everything like that. And now, I think Chouameni has gone from maybe being your number two choice in midfield to being clearly after Modric, Cruz, Camavinga, Valverde, and now only Chouameni. And so, that's a bit worrying, I think, for him. When we imagine, obviously people have talked about this endlessly, like how Real Madrid, they need to pick up pieces in the summer, but... And they've got a lot of people who are, who are going to leave the club, but they have that midfield of the future. You know, that's the way it's been sold yeah. in, in Camavinga, Tromeni, and, and Valverde. You have got that right foot, left foot balance. You have Tromeni. But do we need to revise a little bit what that might look like? And this is what I'm, what I'm driving at is those three, none of them, if I were to ask you who's the most creative of the three, yeah. it's probably Tromeni, right? Yeah. Um, but. Kroos and Modric are both far more creative yeah. than both of them. I'm just wondering, and I don't know if Carlo's going to be there, and is this something that might become, might they need to add another piece to resolve that creativity at some point? Somebody who can kind of, you know, be an off-brand Modric yeah, in certain games. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, and that, I think... Although Jude Bellingham is a very different player, you, you would not be surprised why they would maybe want to go for him and you can keep Cruz I think Modric is the one really where you, you want can keep to keep Cruz or Modric for a year but I'm saying is I'm talking yeah, yeah, longer, longer term the, the nice yeah, thing is sure. that midfield could be your midfield for 10 years right? yeah 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 uh, if we're projecting 2-3 years down the line is there enough all-roundedness is there enough balance there or might we end up seeing more of Kamavinga left back yeah I think I think that's the thing or, but, but I think Kamavinga can become a really good passer to, to maybe to the quality of, of Tony Cruz. And I think and I think you can make Chuamini or Valverde a really good box to box driving forward with the ball and 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 gaining ground with the ball like um, like you would need I think in a team like that. But don't forget as well that I think the midfielder that you will need or look for will also depend a lot on who's your number nine once Karim yeah. goes. Because if you have a number nine, let's say, like a hurricane type who drops deeper, then maybe you need less of that creative player in midfield that we're talking about now. If you've got Herling uh, Ireland or Kilian up front, then maybe you need a bit more. So it will depend as also who comes at number nine. I also don't think it's necessarily written in stone that they're going to play 4-3-3 for yeah, you're right, with exactly. a different manager. Yeah, you might true. see a different setup. True. True. Final word on the rumbling Barcelona-Negrera case. Um, there are a couple of things that happened. One is Alexander Cheferin. He gave an interview uh, to Slovenian media where, you know, he kind of had to go. It obviously brought up the Super League again. It's kind of his favorite argument, yeah. understandably, I think. But he's like, oh, you know, those three teams, look at them now. Like, you know, 
two of them basically have criminal investigations. Let's see what they can find on Real Madrid, which I thought you don't need to go exactly. and drag Real Madrid into yes. this, right? Uh, but then there was a report on Monday in La Vanguardia, which is a Catalan newspaper, which sort of suggested that, I don't want to get into too much of the nitty-gritty, but that Tebas and La Liga somehow might have not been honest yeah, in presenting the like facts. False, yeah, it, it false, false numbers. Yeah. Tebas furious about this, obviously immediately threatened to sue, so I don't want to go too much into it. If I mean, in the end, yeah. we'll see. If he does sue, we'll let the courts decide what's right or wrong. What I don't understand about this is what does Tebas gain? Because La Liga can't punish them, as, as we've established, right? Yeah. Because the statute of limitations is gone. UEFA could. But if there's forged documents, I mean... He's throwing it away, basically. I, like, is he saying he, he forged Barcelona's documents? And then Barcelona's like, no, these are the documents. And you've got <laughs> bank statements to back things up and documents. Like, <clears throat> you can't get somebody in trouble like this by forging documents, you know, unless you're in the inside. Like, it, yeah, it's, it's not... Really it, it, this is what I didn't understand about, about the piece. But like, do you think he's the long... So, how, like, Tebas and Laporta and Barcelona have been... You know, kind of at war for a long time now. And do you think Tebas thought this is an opportunity to like really go even harder on them to the point that he could have misbehaved in a way? I mean, look, there's people who like Tebas, there's people who hate Tebas. I think even people who hate Tebas would say Tebas isn't stupid. Yeah. So. You know, the, the, this isn't like, you know, the Agatha Christie murder hour where you yeah, find evidence and whatever, do, right? Yeah. Like, if you're forging... Because these documents, they're all backed up, they're lawyered. I, unless you're going into Barcelona safe and forging the document there together with the one that you receive. Like, it, it, you, you, you see, yeah, see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, I'm with you completely, man. You're going to get caught. Like, it seems really hard Definitely. that, like, a proper court or a proper investigator, if Barcelona say, no, this document is falsified, yeah. that they're going to yeah, say, yeah, wait, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's you're gonna get that's what I find extraordinary about it. Nah, but again, you know, we're not the investigators. Let's wait for the uh, prosecutors to do their job. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, Joe, so Chelsea have, as we know, let... Uh, party ways with Graham yeah. uh, Potter. Uh, they are, as we record this, people take it as read that Frank Lampard Jr. is coming back, coming back to be interim boss between now and the end of the season and win the Champions League, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, worked for Robbie D. Yeah. Um, and then obviously there's rumors Luis Enrique, the future. We're going to get into all that, but they played a game on Tuesday night against a pretty big team, pretty big game, Chelsea Liverpool at home. It finished nil nil. Um, before we get to Chelsea, I want to start with the Liverpool end. Because I thought Liverpool were really poor. Yeah. Again. Yeah. You can say, oh, it's a good point away from home. Mm, no. Not, not against this Chelsea team, right? Exactly. But were you surprised by Klopp's approach, the, the, the number of changes that he made? What was his squad rotate? What, yeah, what? I guess in a week where you have City, Chelsea, and, and Arsenal back-to-back, all back-to-back, you need to 
I guess you can't play the same 11 for those three games in six days. So you play your worst players against the worst of the three teams. No, maybe, but that's the way, I guess. What was going to play? The team that you're theoretically competing against. Well, no, you're not really, but you need in the top four, right? But the thing is, you you need points badly. So would this it, is the would easiest it, way to get points, Chelsea away. Yeah, yeah, it is. But in the sense that you, would you almost risk your same eleven, pretty much, let's say, for all three games and see where you are. Maybe not your same trying, eleven, but not so many changes. I, I mean, know, I guess, I guess Van Dyke was injured, right? So that yeah, that was a he's done well. I think he was sick or something. But, but I, I, yeah, I, I, I struggle to understand. Then Klopp says, "Oh, it's, it's a." It's a good result, baby steps, which is said like already like three or four times this season. And every time they have a decent result against a big team, this, he says, "This baby step, we're in the right direction." And then they fall apart again in the next game. See, so, I, I, I don't mind ever trying something different, right? Um, I, I think he's really at the end of his tether, where he doesn't, he can't work out how to make this team play better. And so the idea, let's make the changes, let's play the guys who played less. And then they'll bring intensity and they'll be super motivated. I, I'm, I'm guessing that was the thinking. Yeah, yeah, you would think That so. intensity wasn't there, but I would argue it also wasn't there because I thought Chelsea actually played well in this. I thought they... Me too. They created a bunch of chances. N'Golo Kante... Was amazing. I didn't expect him to be so decisive, so good, because he just had that, that spot at the weekend. He hasn't played since... He does his first start since the 15th of August. There was in no world a player at 32 years of age can come back after seven months without football, apart from 30 minutes against Aston Villa three days before, right. and play like that for 68 minutes. And find the rhythm. I think physically, just, whatever yeah, you get, you, you, know, you, you heal, you get well, whatever. Yeah, but, you're not much but to sick. have the rhythm in the exactly. game, um, I, I thought was, was pretty remarkable. remarkable. You take issue with the best on earth again. He should have had a no, couple but of like I, I thought the criticism of Chelsea's performance really harsh. I, I read people saying inspiring performance. I'm sorry, you don't have 2.2 xg no. when you're un, un, uninspiring against Liverpool. I'm sorry, but they scored two goals that were rightly disallowed, of course. Uh, the Rich James one and the Kai Havertz one, but they created they were movement at time. Yeah, of course he was not perfect and could have been better. I just don't think he was that bad. It's not perfect because this is a badly put together team. And exactly. Saying, oh, yeah. That. You know, um, Bruno on the bench, so. What's <laughs> Bruno's fault? Bruno. No, no, but you know what I mean? Like, Bruno going to Bruno. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, passionate, bless him. Um, the big news is while Chelsea are looking for a permanent manager, yeah. they appear to be on the verge of bringing back the guy who was their permanent manager before, Frank Lampard Jr. Now he's coming off, he was let go by Everton earlier this year. Uh, so this makes sense to me. No, it can't within, be. It no, can't hang on. Can I finish? This sense, this makes sense to me. If Frank Lampard says, "You know what? I want to have a role in this Chelsea team. Maybe not as coach, but I back myself." You know, Frank Lampard. Everybody's man says the guy's really smart. Yeah. He's really intelligent. Loves Chelsea. Probably like many people says, "Bully and Bali." You know. Yeah. So maybe there's a role for me at the club as a head of football operations, whatever, in the future. And maybe if I'm just here and I'm around them, okay, that's from I help point them of view. From, from, from his point yeah. of view. What does it make sense from Chelsea's point of view? Okay, this would require Bali and Boli saying, all right, we made a lot of really dumb decisions yeah. and we've put our faith in the wrong people and we need a football CEO because Boli can't, and Bali, much as they'd like to, they can't be here and play CEO for the foreseeable future, okay, right? They're yeah. owners. And 
Why don't we hang out with Frank for a couple months and no. see? He's smart. Maybe he interviewed really well. Okay, I will ask you the, again. The CEO, why does it make Tom sense Lake from a Chelsea point guy? of view to have him on the bench for the remaining of the season? Because the season's over. It doesn't matter, right? So, so maybe you get a lift with Frank against Real Madrid, whatever. Maybe you take your chance in the Champions League. You know, long shot, but whatever. We've been there before. You are maybe? kind. You are very kind. It makes no sense. And I love Frank Lampard and we work together. A bit. It makes no sense whatsoever. Right. It doesn't make any sense. So this is, this is the scenario I have, right? Lampard lives walking distance from the ground. Lampard wants to help. So you, you buy my reasons why Lampard would do this, right? Why it makes sense for Frank Lampard. Yeah, if he's asked. No, no, if he's asked why he would put himself forward. Let's face it, right? It's not like, it's, it's, it's not like Bowley and Bali are, are, are home watching YouTube videos and they're like, oh, this guy Lampard, yeah, wait, who's he? You know. I, I, you understand why? I mean, I, to some yeah. degree, somebody would have put him in, right? If Lampard had been in Graham Potter's staff, Chelsea would have sacked everybody, but Lampard and Lampard would have taken over as an interim coach, like Stellini and Mason. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. On that point, so you can I see the appeal you. from Lampard's perspective. Yeah, but Lampard was not in Graham Potter's staff. Right. So now we saw him on. A, we saw that he was at the Liverpool game. Did like Bali and Bolly just bumped into him and said, oh, yeah, <laughs> you legend, token for the fans who hate us right now. Yeah, maybe. Because other than that, I just don't see, as a manager, what he would bring. But maybe you're right. Maybe you just see out of the season. And maybe Bruno, just, Bruno doesn't feel that he's ready to be number one even on an interim basis between now and the end of the season. Um, because it's, you know, four years ago, I think the guy was still playing, right? Yeah. Um, but the the question understand. is, you, you, what you don't understand is from Boldy and Iqbali's point of view, why Lampard yeah, interim? To start with, right. because I don't, just I don't rate him as a coach. But then, the guys they after to become permanent are all out of a job right now, right? If you just, if you would just say Luis Enrique, Nagelsmann, Pochettino, let's say for the sake right. of them three, why can't they come now? I think the reason they can't come now is that they all know their, they all know their value. So in other words, so first of all, with, with Nagelsmann, I think you would still need to spend time with Bayern resolving that yeah. contractual situation, right? So then time, results, they're paying Real Madrid, well, I guess it's two weeks' time, but yeah. still, right? Yeah. Um, I think they're thinking, and maybe they can still do that. Maybe they bring in Lampard, maybe just a couple of days, and then they say, hey, Frank, you know, because look, if you, I don't know if they do this, right? But if they do bring in Lampard and they say, Frank, we'll pay you until we bring in a new manager, are you cool with that? And he says, maybe he says yes, because he just wants to be around the club. Maybe he realizes that this club is his dimension and, it's in, and it makes sense for him, right? Uh, he's not in a position to argue, no, I want a three year deal, right? It's, it's an interim. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'd be again. I'd be very surprised if Nagelsmann took over before the end of the season. Um, the other one that you mentioned, other than Luis Enrique, oh, Poch. Yeah, Poch. Okay. I yeah, mean, yeah. Just, just for someone. Poch has his bags packed and he's ready to come. Yeah, I think with he's Pochettino. Ready to go anywhere. I think there's another element. I don't think they're sold on Pochettino. Yeah, no, I think maybe. Also, remember when Spurs threw away the league title and there was the battle at Stamford yeah, Bridge. Bridge? Of course. I still think there's some level of bad blood. I think they're aware of we don't want to bring somebody in who the fans are not going to like or harbor old grudges. I remember years ago when Chelsea were linked with George Graham yeah. and you know the whole stadium started singing you can stick George Graham up your backside. Yeah, yeah. Backside. yeah, yeah. 
to the match going contingent, there's still a big part of the match going contingent that's kind of old school. I mean, yeah, these of things matter. So with Benitez, and, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, they yeah, don't, yeah, and Rafa Benitez yeah. as well. I mean, I don't think Potro's ever was ever as acrimonious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but no, they really don't like Spurs. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it's very obvious, point. right? Yeah, yeah. So that leaves Luis Enrique. Now, there's 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 reports. Several people have come out and said that you know some are even saying he's in London yeah, now yeah. to talk to them. He said. He wasn't going to take a job before the summer, right? Yeah. Um, I think if I'm Luis Enrique, I could see the appeal and likes the Premier League. You go even then, it's the kind of thing where you ask him, "Hey, Luis Enrique, do you like the Premier League?" What's he going to say? No, I don't like the. You know, I mean, nobody's going to say that, right? Yeah. What's curious to me, if you go with somebody like Lucho, you you got to take the whole thing. You got to take the whole package. And the Lucho package comes with so many quirks and foibles and things that don't fit English football. Now, I can yeah, say yeah. Pep Guardiola didn't fit English football. Jurgen Klopp didn't. And then they came in and then they changed it. Arsene Wenger didn't fit yeah, English yeah. football. That's fine. But that was a long-term project. Those were long-term, well-funded projects. Took a while to get going. Yeah. Do Boli and Nigbali right now... When you've spent all this money, when you've got a clear vision of the of the direction of travel that you're going in, or that you're so say you're going in with all the young players you bought and whatever, is this really what you want, Luis Enrique, who maybe says like, oh, you know, I want Eric Garcia or, or whatever, or yeah, do, do you no, know what no, I mean? No, like, I see what you mean. Yeah, because he is not somebody who is flexible. Yeah, that's he's true. not somebody. He's somebody who will speak his mind. Yeah, I, I told you, my my old buddy Franco Baldini, yeah. when they were at Roma, you know. He said, Luis Enrique is the man, secretly, we all want to be, but just don't have the guts to be. Yeah. Because it comes with a price that you pay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Whoa. I mean, my thing is, if they, if they thought it was, going to be, it was hard to work with Thomas Tuchel, and that's why they sacked him eventually, I mean, Luis Enrique is not easy to work with either in no. terms of stubbornness and personality, as you said. And I'm not stubborn in a bad way. Stubborn just no, no, because... No, no, just with his own idea and yeah. philosophy. He says, I don't force you to agree with me, but I'm going to do my own thing yeah. because I believe not it's what right. Said, exactly. But again, so you go from Tuchel to Potter, who's completely different, who is far more... Accommodating. Yeah. And even that is not working for you to go back to someone who is far closer to Tuchel than he is to... to no. you, you've to made a commitment. But Nagusman is quite similar too, to be fair. To some degree, but I think there's a fundamental difference here. You, at some point, a club has to have an identity, right? It has to have a certain director of, of travel that, yeah. that you bear. You have decided to buy into... We can call it the Red Bull model, if you want, in terms of the types of players you want, in terms of the type of football you play, and so on, right? Mm. And you've brought in Christopher Vivell to be your technical director yeah. and Lauren Stewart to be your co-sporting director. Yeah. Wayne Stanley, while he's not a former Red Bull guy and was at Brighton, in some ways, similar model, similar yeah. background. You know, there, there, there's an overlap Brighton, there with, yeah, with what Brighton were doing, yeah. right? They decide. They should decide the next manager. They should decide the next manager on the basis that it be somebody who's compatible yeah. with what they want to do. Now, I'm sure Frank Lampard can learn because he's a very intelligent guy in the interim basis, and this is why in his head he thinks longer term. Who knows? I can't see Luis Enrique ever saying, "Oh, let's do <laughs> things the no. way." I, I, ever, Impossible. right? It's just a different. It's a yeah. different approach, and you know, 
same thing goes for Poch as well, because we've seen this before. You know, Poch, as great as he is when he was at Spurs, he has he has this team of loyalists. I I remember there's an agent I know who who talked about going to see Pochettino, and, and he's lovely and, and whatever. Um, but he has his assistants there, and like you know. Every time you crack a joke, all the assistants all laugh along. Ha 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 ha! Yes, boss. Yes, boss. You know, like yeah, yeah. And maybe yeah. behind closed doors is different, but it is a very top-down type of management, and that's not the Red Bull way. Now, Nagelsmann comes with other baggage. Yeah. But he is familiar with that system. He's yeah. familiar with that dynamic, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah and maybe that's part of the reason it didn't work at Bayern. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I, for me, logically, that would be the way to go. Uh, so, but who knows? It's <laughs> you said the greatest thing about Lampard is it is you your pop uh, Luis Enrique. Sorry, you get the popcorn out. It's going to be entertaining. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be. There's going to be drama for sure. It, yeah, there'll be drama. But you know what? Yeah. At some point, they're going to have to square the books here, and they're going to have to go and answer questions to yeah. their investors because I've said this a million times. People act as if it's not the case, but Bully and Bedali Bali are very wealthy men but they do not own Chelsea outright on their own. It's yeah. not their plaything. They have people they need to answer to as well. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, enough, Chelsea. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, guys. Marcus Rashford scores the only goal and David De Gea comes up big again. Yep. Manchester United are back in the top four with a 1-0 win over Brentford. Jules, was this the reaction Eric Ten Hag was looking for after that car crash at the weekend? It was It was good. It was a good game, I thought, I thought, overall. I still think that Casemiro missing is huge, and you saw it again yesterday. I mean, Sabitzer is involved on the goal. But, come on, him and McTominay is just not the same. It's, it's pretty it's grim when you go and through one by one. I know, exactly. And I think they just, it, they just have to do with... To, to do with without Casemiro and then hope for the best because they can't just play as well with, without him than they do with him. But it's a big win. It's a very important win for the top four race because that was getting, you know, um, tight. But certainly after what we saw against Newcastle and Brentford are good. Uh, it was, it was, it was the, certainly the result that Ten Hag would have wanted, maybe more than the performance anyway. Juventus Inter draw 1-1 in the first leg of the Coppa Italia semi-final. But Gab, this game was overshadowed by Romelu Lukaku's sending off after being racially abused. It was. As for the game, it was, it was touchy. There was, there, was, there was a fight at the end, uh, <laughs> sending off. It was really weird. It was, Quadrado and Andanovic looked like they were speaking very calmly. And then all of a sudden, they're just wailing on each other. Um, so what happened with, with Lukaku, I, like, I have a column coming out on this, but the bottom line is, Sometimes more than one thing can be true. There's a part of the story which is very simple and easy to understand, and there's a part of the story that's actually complex and mm. nuanced. I'm going to start with this with the easy part, and the easy part is that Romelu Lukaku goes up to take a penalty, and there are people in the crowd 
who racially abuse them. Yeah. Um, the encouraging part in, in all this, if there is something encouraging, Juventus immediately, immediately coming out and saying, not, oh, well, we're sorry if this happened, we'll collaborate to establish the facts, blah, 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 or whatever. No, they came out and they said, we're going to find these people. We had the state-of-the-art a security yeah, system in the stadium. stadium in Italy. Yeah, well, it's not just that they say it's like some sort of security terrorist thing that they have that they can identify everybody and you know count the number of, of hairs in your nostrils. Um, and so they said we're, we're going to we're going to find these people and they're going to be banned from the stadium. And on top of that, if you want to also charge them criminally, that's fine. We're going to go yeah. ahead and do that. So that's good. That's encouraging from Juventus. That is the easy part, and we should focus on that. We should focus on the fact that hopefully these people will be punished and keep up the pressure to make sure they're not just banned by Juve, but also they, 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 if there's legal ways that they can be punished as well. All the other stuff is interesting and nuanced. It has to do with Lukaku's goal celebration, which some people say was, was a provocation. Um, and that is why he was booked and he was sent off, because you're not allowed to interact the directives in, in I mean, he did that which a lot of players do without getting a yellow card. And then he told them to basically... Right. So what you're doing, when, and for those listening on the podcast, you just brought your fingers, yeah. your lips and shirts. Now. He did that also a few, a few games ago when he, played for, when he scored um, against Sweden for Belgium, right? He goes and he does a military salute and he puts a thing. And he wasn't being racially abused then, so was it just his normal goal celebration? And then should the people in the stands not be getting wound up by it should the yeah. referee know that this is your normal goal celebration it's got nothing to do with winding up the fans right um, there's all layers to this Danilo who um, you know that's the most disappointing I think well it's just it's weird because Danilo the, the Juve player uh, he comes out afterwards and basically says well he wound up our fans and by the way when I say fans these aren't Juve Ultras no. Juve Ultras are in a dispute with the club um, these are randos in the stand right these are random Juve fans who who, who, who are there um He came out and he said, well, he, you know, he provoked our fans. Yeah, deserved, the referee had no yeah. choice but to send him off. Danilo is a guy who, he, ironically, less than two weeks ago, it's on YouTube, you should see, it's one of the, it's one of the good things that Juve do, is Juve have this podcast on race and racism where they actually go into in-depth conversation with people of color, like Danilo, by yeah. the way, who, who talk about these issues. So I was shocked to hear it. He walked it back Amazing. a little bit. Mm. There's got to be an attitude change, too. You don't have to go and defend the people in the stands automatically every single time before you even establish the facts of what happened. Other thing, guys, you guys are professionals. You know, I love the intensity, the rivalry getting wound up, but the melee that was created after he scored the penalty and stuff with the fans pushing, with the players pushing and shoving, and then again at the final whistle. Guys, you are setting this tone when you go and you shove each other and you shout at each other and you hit each other the yeah. way Handanovic and Cuadrado did. You know, You guys are pros. Act like pros. Yeah. Simple as. Newcastle stay third with a resounding 5-1 win away to West Ham. Yeah. Jules, they're not going away, are they? No, they're not. And they're actually playing better and better. We saw them very convincingly beating Manchester United. Then they go away to West Ham, who are no. good and you know, have a manager that should not be there anymore. Point But still, it. to go and, and, and play the way they did, they score five goals, Isaac, Callum Wilson, you know, everybody uh, tuning in. It was, was great. Great to see. And they are very much in command, I think, for that awful finish. Momentum. Yeah. I'm reliably informed Bayern will not win the treble this year. They have the German Cup after losing at home to Freiburg 2-1. Gab was the Thomas Tuchel just unlucky with the penalty in that crazy long-run strike. 
Yeah, so Freiburg got their goal. One of them was this guy Hofler or whatever, shooting yeah. from like a million yards out. Um, and then the penalty, Jamal Musiala coming on. Jamal Musiala, not fully fit Jamal Musiala, apparently. Yeah. Uh, comes on and, you know, lifts his hand to protect himself. And there's no choice but to give a penalty. You know, he hasn't been trained in the put your arms behind your back uh, uh, school of defending. Um, I don't think they were just unlucky. I think they were unlucky with the two incidents, but we saw that if Freiburg sit and defend, you need to break them down. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry if you don't have, you only have so many creative passers yeah. in the team. If the other team sits, it's difficult. It's it's difficult to break through. Some of his substitutions also didn't quite work out. Um, you know, they could have won. Normal circumstances, they win this game, but. I think the jury's still out, and I think you just have to accept it's going to take Losing time. Losing your second game in charge is not uh, at home as well. It's not good. Not a good sign. This was back on Monday, but Tottenham Hotspur drew 1-1 away to Everton with new interim boss Christian Stellini. Jules, did the players look any less selfish? I don't know if they look less selfish, but I didn't see any difference really, Gab, between what we saw before Conte was sacked and what we saw against Everton, which was not a good performance from Spurs. They, they almost got a win, and I think it would have been a lucky win, to be fair, especially after the red card from Ducoura, and you can agree or not with Harry Kane rolling over on the floor and what Ducoura did, etc., etc. But in the end, they didn't play well, and they don't deserve to win that game, full stop. It's as simple as that. Not much change. You'd almost think that Cellini had been the first team coach yeah, all along. Exactly. Gab, you just back from the UEFA Congress in Lisbon. Nobody is surprised Alexander Seferin was re-elected. He was the only candidate anyway. <laughs> but did he have anything interesting to say? I thought one interesting thing he put forward was, remember like a month ago, all these people started saying, well, the Premier League is the Super League, blah, yeah. blah, blah. How do we counter that? I thought he was very pro-Premier League. He said, look, the reason the Premier League has so much money is because they have an egalitarian setup or more egalitarian setup than most uh, leagues do in terms of how they give out the money. Um, They're well run. They have a product that people want to watch. And they generally work together and cooperate within each other. Um, Now, obviously, we know that six Premier League teams also signed up for the Super League. and In other words, were less cooperative. But they've actually made active pledges not to do that again. The government passed legislation. There's no appetite for him. In some ways, while he's often clashed with Premier League teams, I, he needs the Premier yeah. League and he needs their support and the yeah, support of those clubs. Definitely. Borussia Dortmund are also out of the German Cup. Uh, Jules falling 2-0 to Leipzig. Marco Rose would have enjoyed that. Yes, and he did. And to be fair, it was a very good performance from Leipzig from start to finish. Dortmund. Second goal a bit, like obviously at the end. Yeah. Hockey when you pull the goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah. true. And and to be fair, they they could have late in the game, Dortmund leveled the score. uh, Didn't take the couple of kind of half chances, chances that they had. But they were were beaten by a better sign. And Leipzig were really good. Timo Werner scoring the, the first goal. Bellingham was only on the bench. There was no Schlotterbeck, no Haller. Uh, I think he was a bit... <clears throat> it was not a B team from Dortmund because he was still a competitive team, but Leipzig were but very good from the start. Not a priority. Yeah. Alexander Mitrovic has been given an eight-game ban for pushing referee Chris Kavanagh when Fulham played Manchester United in the FA Cup. So, does that sound right? right? Well, Jules, I'd like to consider myself an expert on this, given that um, I wrote... I, I, I'm... Paolo Di Canio's yeah, biographer, I did his autobiography, when uh, he famously um, pushed referee Paul Alcock yeah. a bazillion years ago, and I feel like that was kind of like the benchmark. Yeah. I you think know, 11 games now or something? 20? I should know this. I think he did get 11 games, yeah. right? and I think three were for the automatic red card and whatever. Now, I'm going to reveal all my biases here. I know it was a different time, 
But if you're going to use that as a benchmark, the dip, what's the same and what's different? Palatikanya's push was not a violent push in any way, shape, or form. It looked worse because the guy took 17 yeah. steps backward and fell over. And by the way, it's on YouTube. It's still a freaking comedy moment, right? Yeah. And then he complained that he had pins and needles in his arms. And I was kind of surprised he didn't show up with one of those stupid neck braces that people do. Whatever. Um, that's done. This, this was violent. And stupid, not violent in the sense that you're going to hurt Chris Kavanaugh. No, although he was right in his face. It was right in his face. Angry. It was a level of aggression. Yeah. It's not like you know, Dikani was turning away from him. Um, I don't know. I look. The problem with establishing a ban, I think, is we know when it's too little. So if it's just been a couple games, you know it was too little. But whether you give eight games or 12 games, you're going to have people who are going to come out and say, oh, you should get a six-month ban, blah, blah, blah. What about the grassroots referees, examples for young players and whatever, right? So you're never going to – I think it's just so difficult to decide yeah. what is appropriate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. In the end, eight games is probably fair. You know, it impacts Fulham in a big, big way because they won't have him for the run-in, which means that you know it's really going to impact the rush for, the, for, for Europa League place. And he'll have time to reflect on that. Yeah. And I think this is what you want. You want to, and so it's a serious disincentive. I, I think that's what punishment should be about at this stage. Mm. I mean, he knows he was wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not. He walks around justifying himself. Switzerland will host the 2025 Women's Euros. Yeah. Um, this is interesting. I was actually there to witness the the yeah. vote. Um, so the other bidders were France, who only got one vote. <laughs> um, so bad. Yeah, I I guess they figured, hey, you just had a World Cup six yeah, years ago. and right? the Champions League final, I think. Yeah, in Paris, yeah enough. Had by that. Yeah. Um, the other bidders, and it was split, it went down to the wire, were Poland, yeah. who I didn't realize had a big tradition of women's football, but, you know, that's coming along, I guess. The Nordic bid, which is all our favorite Scandinavian countries. Yeah. Um, and Switzerland, and Switzerland ended up winning this. Yes, just about as you said. It's a good choice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would have liked the Nordic bid. I think. Why do been, people like the Nordic bid? Because so? they've been pioneering as well in in women's yeah. football, you know. And they were, they were not the first countries, but they were very, very uh, big and courageous on women's football, developing it. They were very good at it as well. I think it's, it's fair to say it's good. probably the most egalitarian, yeah. you know, in terms of the setup, mm. in terms of the interest, very in terms true. of the, the, the difference in interest between the local men's league and the local women's league. It's yeah. probably the closest margin. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think it would have been nice for them to continue that development. And, you know, they're not as good as they used to be. Clubs from, from Scandinavia, for example. But, but yeah, I liked it. I've got no issues with Switzerland either. You know, it's, it would be not as far to go. For us to cover the, the Euros uh, compared to Australia, where we're going to go in the summer, for example, and all of that. So, yeah, I'm happy for Switzerland as well. Real Madrid will play Osasuna in the Copa del Rey final after they snatch a 1-1 second leg draw against Athletic Club de Bilbao thanks to an extra time goal from Pablo Ibanez. Fair result, Gab? Yeah, look, I, you view this as a fair result if you're the kind of person who, you know, is a bit romantic and you don't like defensive teams and teams that grounded out. Let's Bilbao had a ton of shots. Yeah. They went for it. They had to because they were a goal down from the first leg. They took the league. It went to, uh, it went to extra time and then up pops. Pablo and gets it done and you know that's football too there's more than one way to go and, and, and play football well done Osasuna <clears throat> a ridiculous goal oh, from Ludovic yes. Blas sends Nantes 
through to the Coupe de France final as they upset Laurent Blanc and Lyon 1-0. Joseph, it was quite the celebration at the end. <laughs> I, I need to ask you two things. One about Comboire, who, you know, um, and this was a battle of former Paris Saint-Germain coaches. Of course. Comboire will and forever be seen as the guy who got a raw deal, right? Yeah. Um, I want to ask you about the Ludovic Blas goal, though, because Amazing. you're the Tekkers guy. How does yeah, he do that? if you haven't seen it, uh, he receives the ball in the box with his back to goal and he chests it, and then there's a second little touch and then he volleys it. The second nothing. touch looks like it's off the top of his shoulder yeah, to control. Just... Who controls the. Who teaches you to control a ball after. It's crazy. And after the game, Moussa Sissoko was interviewed on French television and he said, and Blas was next to him and he said, listen, this is a genius goal scored by a genius player, which I think Blas is. <laughs> Not at the level of maybe other geniuses that you can, you can have in mind. Like Savigny. Yeah, but he's such a, an amazing player, really, that he will go to a bigger club in the summer. And before that, he wants to win a second Coupe de France in a row for none, because obviously they won it last year. And the celebration, there was a pitch invasion that was uh, planned almost by the club, like it was last year when they also won the semi-final before going to the Stade de France. And, and it was just amazing. And there's, there's such a big club in France, such historical club, that it's good to see I, them again on a great cup run. I, I have something to say about this, about the pitch invasion, because, look, I am not endorsing pitch invasion. So let me make this very, very clear. Yeah. Sometimes bad things happen. We've seen them, and player safety is important, right? But I was struck by this because I watched the highlights of this game on the Nantes website. So obviously they decide to put what they want to put, right? And they put the pitch invasion at the end. I mean, literally, you see like a wall of of, of people on the bench cheering and stuff. And so clearly they knew it was going to happen. It didn't bother them. It was joyous. It was happy. I wonder how... In the Premier League, whenever there is a pitch invasion, right, even if it's a happy pitch invasion, somebody's staying out, there's always people who, you know, clubs often flip out, right? Yeah, because, yeah, oh, health yeah. and safety, they're going to damage the pitch. What bugs me is ex-pros come out and say, oh, whoa, those people coming on the pitch, they have no business being there. What if somebody has a knife or a gun? And I'm like, first of all, it's so stupid because what does it mean? You never leave your house if you're a professional football player? <laughs> no, that guy, seriously, you go to the pub, you go to the corner shop, there could be somebody with a knife and a gun walking yeah. down the street. Like... Uh, it's a difficult, it's a difficult uh, needle to thread, I think, for a club, right? Because those are fantastic memories that gives you a fantastic yeah, exactly. sense of community. But equally, when you have a crowd spilling under the pitch, yeah, you, yeah, you have to be careful. But the stewards were ready; they had everything to make the, um, I don't know, the the space for the, the cordon, like yeah, for the, the players, cordon, so, yeah. exactly. And the players came back out after to celebrate with their fans. It was, they were really amazing, and they have amazing fans. At the La Bourgeoise and not so well, you know, well done to them. And now they will play either Annecy from the second division or Toulouse, and they play the other uh, semi final tonight on Thursday night. No fairy tale for Cremonese in the Coppa Italia. They lose at home to Fiorentina 2 0 in the first leg of their semi final. Gab, your thoughts? All right, look, they're, they're last in Serie A. I think they. One more, just one game. One game. Yeah. I, they're not good. They, 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 they tend to play attacking football, and because they're not good, they tend to concede a lot. Fiorentina are absolutely flying under Vincenzo Italiano. They're playing great football. Nico Gonzalez on form. Cabral is scoring. Uh, this is always going to be too, too steep a hill to climb for them. Um, there is a second leg, but yeah, no, you lose at home. I, I think they're done. Um, you know, in the year of Gianluca Vialli's passing, yeah. it would have been a fantastic story. Equally, they can go and tell their grandkids that they knocked out Napoli you know, and Roma. Napoli and Milan, yeah. you know, and Milan along yeah. the way, yeah, which is which is pretty darn special. 
Ajax went away to Feyenoord 2-1 and will face PSV Eindhoven, who beat something called Spakenborg. Sorry, I was not familiar with their work. Uh, in, the Dutch, uh, in the Dutch Cup, uh, well, they're going to play each other in the Dutch Cup final. But Jules, this game was overshadowed, yeah. I think, by Davy Klaassen being hit in the head by projectile thrown from the stands. And I wasn't quite clear to me what hit him, but whatever it was, yeah. it was hard and it he was shot. Bleed, yeah. The back of his head was all yeah, but full he's, of blood. He's obviously bald or yeah. shaven-headed, but like you can see the blood coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks like a lighter. Yeah, it looks like it was a lighter or something. The crowd was very much up for it, of course. As always, the Feyenoord know where fans, so it was just not that it would have any difference, but just to say that the rivalry and I think the animosity between the sets of fans and same with PSV uh, in a season where Ajax have not done well not as well as Feyenoord in the league either so this was a huge game and it's such a shame because it was a good game of football and then he, had, he stopped and then they, they came back to play the last half hour it was or something uh, from that semi-final uh, Klassen restarted the game and then felt too dizzy and had to yeah. come off so really we Again, we should not be seen. And and we say I, I it every single time. I, I don't want to pick on fine art, but you know now, obviously there, there's talk of them being banned from yeah. traveling to Rome in the Europa League. That comes from before. That comes from when they visited Rome in the past. I think 2016, 2017, and you know they damaged, they, they seriously damaged yeah. a medieval fountain and stuff. Um, you know. You come with a reputation, certain clubs, and when you live up to that reputation, exactly. That's not it's problematic. Yeah. Leicester City lose at home to Aston Villa on Tuesday night, but there's a new manager on his way with Graham Potter not available. The leading candidates for now are Rafa Benitez and Adi Hutter. Who do you like best? I think I know. <laughs> Who do I like best in terms of being a fun night out? Uh, <laughs> no, look... Uh, by the way, you know what Adi's real name is? It is what you think yes, it is. Yes, And that's why he we goes keep by it to Adi. Adi much better. Yeah. I, I do wonder when your name is, when your last name is Hutter, sounds a lot like something else. I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know what his parents were thinking. <laughs> anyway, um, I use Rafa Benitez. It's Rafa Benitez because Adi Hutter is a very good coach, but you need preseason. Yeah. It's a different way of playing from Completely. the way Brendan Rodgers does. Uh, Rafa Benitez comes in, Mr. Fix-It, blah, yeah. blah, blah. You know, I think it can have to be more of a short-term impact, and that's what they need right now because they're in the relegation zone. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Two goals within a minute for your boy, Randall Kolomorani, and Eintracht beat Union Berlin to advance to the German Cup semi-final. Bet you're happy for him. Yeah, us. two goals in two minutes. Mario Götze creating those two goals as well. Very early on, the game was over after that. 19 goals, now in 34 games in all competitions oh. for Kolomorani. An amazing season with the World Cup in between two. It's just, he's got, I really think that this... The sky is the, the, the you know, there's no ceiling to uh, to him to his talent. Well, there's no ceiling. Come on now. No, no, he's not going to become no Messi ceiling. or Mbappe, but I think he's he's, he's got that. Is he going to become Lewandowski? And that no. room for improvement. That's the thing. He's 24. He's a late bloomer. I've told you the story many times, right. and I think this is great. And that's only the beginning for him. That's what I meant. More okay. All right. Well, we, 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 I, he still hasn't cracked my top three of elite athletes named Randall. 
Yeah, Not yeah. Enough. We'll give him time. Yeah, okay. Norway's Liz Klavnes uh, failed in her bid to get elected to the UEFA Exec Committee. Gab, was it such a big story? Why was it such a big story? So the reason this is a big story, and so many people paid attention to it, I mean... Is obviously the fact. It's not so much the fact that that, that that she's a woman. I mean, Debbie Hewitt was from from the uh, was the chairperson or the chair, yeah. whatever they call it, of the English FA. She was elected to to the FIFA Council as UEFA's representative, uh, and the f- first woman to win an election against a man. Um, is that these are UEFA executive committees? So in UEFA, you've got the the UEFA president, and then you've got the general secretary, and then you have the executive committee, which is representatives from from different uh, member, game, yeah. member FAs uh, and different areas of the game, and they kind of make the broad decisions by a vote and whatever else. And what tends to happen is when these people retire, they kind of get together and they say, well, like I think they had seven sp- uh, places to fill. So Some spots, I should stress, are reserved for women. Yeah. Um, and they said, look, you know, it's kind of not prearranged, but they kind of say, well, I don't really want to run if I'm not going to win. How much other support do I have? Yeah, so yeah. Essentially, they had nine people running for seven slots. And she said, well, I'm going to run. And I'll see. People can vote for me if they want to. And because she's very outspoken, she's took, you, you remember her at the, uh, the World Cup draw? Yeah. You know, taking the floor and criticizing FIFA over the migrants. And um, people said, oh, she's going to come in and if she gets on the executive committee, she can shake things up. I think people didn't vote for her because she's been in her job since March 2022, and there's a certain level of seniority that's seen. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing that she didn't get elected from her perspective because I think she can be more effective as a voice outside. Once you're inside, you know, it's almost like, okay, Elise, come on board. Yeah, you're in the family now. And then you're yeah. in the family, and then it becomes harder because you can get isolated. Outside, she can say whatever she wants. Uh, I think there's a future in leadership, and I think, she, I think they need other voices. Um, different voices yeah. and good for her but it's not some sort of tragedy that she didn't get elected Daniel Podence has been charged by the oh. FA for spitting at Brennan Johnson during the Wolves Forest game Jules I can't conceive of why you would spit at somebody it's... when there are cameras around I'm not yeah. one of those people who says like oh this is the most disgusting thing you could ever do no I think the most disgusting thing you can do is intentionally hurting somebody and ending their career so that's yeah, yeah, of yeah. course right no, but... it's not great but to do it in front of the cameras that same night a match of the day like they showed the roll the videos and it's like oh look does he spit does he not spit and like it's obvious they're gonna catch you it's so obvious yeah they're gonna catch you of course and how stupid caught, is this guy they've caught others before uh so you should know i mean I, just to think to to think in your head about spitting on someone is just i think crazy it would never come up to my mind to spit on someone uh, you know in the football match or anywhere really so for that and okay. and to think that you're going to get away with it, it was bad. I, I'm not as good as you are, so it would cross my mind and has crossed <laughs> my mind in different scenarios, but not if I were a professional yeah. footballer with with cameras trained it's all around. Yeah. And and by the way, picking up Brendan Johnson of every of all the, of all the Forest players you can spit know, at, Brendan Johnson, come so on. Sweet. Lazio, Roma, and Salernitana are being investigated by the local prosecutor in Rome for inflating transfer swaps between 2017 and 2021. Lazio president Claudio Latito, who mentioned many times on the show, and current Roma owners Ryan and Dan Friedkin have been named in the investigation. Lotito owned Lazio and Salernitana, by the mm-hmm. way, at the same time. Gab, is this like the investigation that got you with the 15 points deduction? The accusations are pretty much the same. And I, 
Um, we've explained why they do that for the magic of amortization. I'm not going to go into that because people are bored of this. I think this is significant because Juve felt targeted. And they said, well, why Why not everybody else? Yeah. There's a bunch of clubs. And some of the clubs that Juve dealt with, they could yet be charged. But here's something that's got nothing to do with Juve. Although, well, some of the deals were with Juve, like the Spinazzola deal uh, uh, for, for Pellegrini when you know they were... This isn't Lorenzo Pellegrini. This is Luca Pellegrini. Yeah. Not quite the same thing. No, um, not the same player. I, so these things happened, and I think if you're going to be fair about it, you investigate stuff that looks suspicious, and that's yeah. what magistrates. This is a criminal investigation. May yet lead to a sporting investigation. Juve may yet face a criminal investigation. Well, they are being criminally investigated. Um, they may they may yet yet lead to charges. Guys, there are rules. We need to have consistency. I think yeah. above all, yeah, right? Yeah, so exactly. I have no issue with this. I do think when they kind of go after the owners, you wonder how involved they actually yeah, are, how much they know. as opposed to although in Lotito's case, the guy prides himself on knowing everything, everywhere <laughs> about everybody. So, Jules, let's celebrate yeah. Cristiano. We have the whole show. We haven't had our Cristiano moment. We haven't even mentioned Cristiano, Cristiano yet. Al Nasser beat Aladala five 0 uh, I can't tell you if that's a fair result or not because I went to the highlights and I know nothing about Aladala, but I know you can tell me yeah. about that second goal yeah. that turned back the clock. Of course. I mean, the first one is a pen. Good. He scores pens. That's what he does. The second one on the, on the edge of the box from the left-hand side, one-on-one with the player, and he actually... Run accelerates, yeah, accelerates and turns on the afterburners. In. Exactly, and then great finish with his left foot. So like an old school Cristiano goal, if you want, from from years ago. He still has it, certainly against Al Adala. So. Okay, can I also make a point about that? Like obviously you lose agility and physics, even when you train as much as Cristiano does. But I also thought about it. We've seen like, for example, Olympic sprinters who are still ridiculously fast at winning gold medals well into yeah. the thirties, yeah, right? Yeah. So that side of Cristiano's game, um, there's no reason that that should necessarily. I mean, not. still at that age, he's still. But when you when you lead the monk life, the no, I know, I know, which does, is true. I mean, Usain Bolt, well into his mid thirties, was running sub ten seconds, right? Yeah, Linford Christie as well was still very good late thirties. But I, yeah, I still think that he's not a sprinter though. And I, and I think he has lost a bit of pace. But certainly on that goal, he found it, he found it again. So well done to him. Milan president Paolo Scaroni called San Siro old and obsolete. That's not very nice, Gab, is it? We love that ground. We said it. No, it's upsetting to me too because, of course, I was literally born across the street from yeah, the San Siro. Exactly. On the other hand, he didn't need to be so mean about it. Um, but he's right too. Well... <laughs> <laughs> he gave a very cogent explanation of why you can't simply go and renovate San Siro, which is you've got two football clubs in Milan, and one of them plays at San Siro effectively every four days yeah. during the season, right? Because they're in the Champions League, the Coppa Italia, and so on. And it's not just these are just two clubs; these are two clubs that will bring sixty to seventy thousand people at every home game. So there's no way you can renovate it without shutting everything down. Yeah. If they shut down, they have to go somewhere else to play. And who else can accommodate 60,000 people? You can't send them to the Olympic Stadium in Rome, which is four and a half hours away, yeah. by the way, um, because there's two teams there. Already? Are you going to send them to Naples? Are you going to send them to, to, to Turin? Turin? Yeah. They don't want to go to Turin, and Turin, and you would probably don't want them. Where are they going to go? Should they go play in Munich? No, but I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm no, being no, totally... No, it's, it's fair, like, just practically. It's... Much as it hurts me that they're going to do this, 
shutting down, you know, and also the way the San Siro's built, it's not like, you know, some English stadiums, not not the newer ones, but some of the older ones. For example, at, at, at Chelsea, they redid the whole the whole stadium years ago. Yeah. But those are four different stands, so you just shot one stand, everybody yeah, goes exactly. into the other one, yeah, yeah. you shot another stand, you know, you rotate through them. Fine. But what are they supposed to do? Go and play, they, they, they could play in Monza at the Brianteo, which I think holds 22,000. Is that fair to anybody? No, Is that fair not. to their fans, yeah, the yeah, season yeah. ticket holders? So that's why their whole plan, this is why they said, like, look, we can stay in the area, we'll build a stadium next door to the San Siro, but everybody's getting in the way. I, at some point, you can say, oh, they're being greedy, they're doing this to maximize profits. No, they're doing it to maximize sustainability as yeah. well, to be able to, to monetize the stadium so that the club can stay alive and the club can stay, can, can, can stay competitive. I, you know, it's, that is the argument. Yeah, you know? yeah, and it really bugs it me when people say, ah, it's all about greed. Come up with a different solution. Yeah. You know. Lawyers for Liverpool fans have lodged some 900 wow. claims, I think 877, something like that, against UEFA following the chaos of the Champions League final in Paris. Jules, what happens next? I'm not too sure, Gab. I mean, we've said before, UEFA have said that they would uh, reimburse the, 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 the match tickets. Uh, and we've also said that... And they've they, apologised. They've apologised. That's the least they can do. But that the trauma from those fans who were stuck outside behind the gates at the Stade de France that we all saw... It's, it's not giving them back the 60 quid or 70, 80, whatever they paid for the ticket. It's going to make things good. So I don't really know what more UEFA can do, to be fair to them. Can uh, they take action against the city and the, or the yeah, law Yeah, the Paris, the law enforcement, the police in Paris, the French Federation maybe as well, who got away with it. We've said that before too. I don't know, but you can understand why those Liverpool fans are not letting go. And they're right, because that was a trauma- traumatising experience for them that should never have happened and never should never happen again. You're blaming the French Federation. Can we add this to the long list of complaints against Noël Le Grand? Yeah, Noël, of course, you know. The FA, did you see the tweet? That's the English FA. Did you see the tweet that compared some of his biggest stars like Bernie Shaw and Sam Kerr to Barbie dolls? Apparently, it's a reference to the Barbie selfie generator and as part of a promotion for the new Barbie movie that's coming out soon in the cinema. Gab, does that make sense to you? It's a weird one, this one. Okay, so I was totally unaware that because it's really not my taste in film and it's not my demographic. I'm not the target audience for yeah. the Barbie movie. I, I don't know what a Barbie selfie generator is. Uh, I did see this tweet um, and basically it turns them into Barbie dolls. Um, this is... Look, I get what they're trying to do, appealing to kids and so on. Yeah. But I don't want to go old school, but... I'm assuming you didn't play with Barbie dolls, but no. you have a sister. They were around, right? Yeah, yeah. Barbie is not a woman. It's not It's not what women look like. It's not what athletes look no. like. It's not even what your fantasy porn star looks like because human beings don't look like that. <laughs> and there's a whole bunch of people who've talked about issues of, of self-esteem with girls and so on. And part of the reason we encourage them to play sports is so that they can build that up, so that we can't just based on some uh, on, on some sort of idealized yeah. version and so on. Um, you know, it's funny. You look at Ken dolls. It's not like Ken's all muscular and has a six-pack. Like also, also, I guess Ken dolls are for girls, right? Boys <laughs> would play with other... But whatever. But it's stupid. Yeah, it's stupid. Yeah, it sends the wrong message, especially also because yeah, 
So it's a credit to the FA. They put it out there. They said, oh, let's do this commercial deal or whatever. Let's piggyback yeah. this. And they yeah. say, hey, Mattel, maybe we don't really want to be associated with this. It's fine in its own context. So well done for them for, for backtracking, especially because what they're trying to do now, for, for a while, the marketing strategy in terms of growing the women's game for, from the FA was, oh, let's appeal to young girls and families and stuff like that. Now it's let's apply to football fans who like watching adult women play yeah, football, yeah, yeah. right? So it's just a different, yeah, it is. it's a different thing, right? I mean, Paris Saint-Germain don't, they don't have a Kylian Mbappe action figure no, or like they, they don't turn him into an oh, event. Oh, no, yes. No. The only superhero in football is who? Hans van Eyken? Oh, no, that's your Mr. Champions League. It's Victor Seaman. Of course, yeah, yeah. Obviously, who we're going to talk about it in a minute. So, you know, messy sweepstakes have begun, hey. or are continuing, I should say. Jules, his dad was in Saudi Arabia, and our colleagues in Spain are reporting it's 50-50 that he might go there. Others insist, and I think we may be speaking to the same people, yep. he's 100% going to enter Miami, and they're ready to give him equity in the club. Now, just... While I was in Lisbon, I spoke to somebody who's very close to Nasser Al-Khalifi, yeah. and he assures me that it's very likely he's going to stay in Paris for another season. Yeah. Because everything's fine at PSG. Nothing to see here. Yeah, no. And, of course, Laporta says the door is always open for him to return to Barcelona. I, I see no reason why this shouldn't continue. Of course, leave for, every for, for, door for open. Months and months. There's no reason if you're messy, yeah. you're going to come in now, right? Yeah, and right now, all those—I mean, those four clubs—have 25 percent chances of having him next season. I think with PSG, it's less likely because one, they want him to take a pay cut, so he will earn more money. So in the in well, certainly in two of the other. I, I, like, don't depress me and tell me that Messi's motivated no, no, at this stage still, of his career. Still, like seriously, nobody likes to take a pay cut. Messi and anybody else, nobody likes it. You know what? If you were to give me my favorite job in the world, I would tell an announcer right now to my bosses, like, I would take a 50% pay cut from what I'm on now. Yeah. If I could have my yeah. ideal job in the world. True. But for Messi right now, I don't think, I think he would be happy to go back to Barcelona. I think he would be happy to go to Inter Miami. I think the Saudis, he might take that offer and take they the money. They seem very certain. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. And for PhD, this, this is just the way it is. But right now, you're right. Keep every door open. Keep talking to people. And then when you want, you make your final decision. And then we see what you decide. Victor Ozeman lost his mask while away on international duty last month. And I'm sure it's not a coincidence. But since then, he got injured and missed Napoli's home game with Milan and that defeat. Gab, there's a solution, though. It's interesting because, I, first of all, this definitively proves that it's not a semen as good. It's the mask, right? It's, it's a little bit like Iron Man and Tony Stark, right? Exactly. Without the suit, Tony Stark is nothing. He's a weakling, right? Yeah. Put it on, and he's pretty badass, right? So I think it's the same with Osiemen's mask, and that's why. And he realizes because he's a humble man, and this is why he had another mask made. This one actually, I think, has his like name and number on it. It's not some generic off-the-shelf mask. Yeah. So Napoli is a very superstitious city. And we'll see if the new mask works. How do you lose your mask, though? What, I think you lost it while in international duty like, with, with Nigeria. Oh, man. I don't know. It can happen, man. It can happen. All right, Jules, this brings us to an end. But uh, I'm going to be back yeah. on Monday. You're on holiday. Yeah. Uh, we're going to Don Hutchinson, but uh, a very, very credible uh, stand-in. Uh, until then, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. <laughs> 